Clay, they took the best of the worst, and they combined the Mirror Universe with the Ferengi. And here we are to talk about mm. Emperor's New Cloak. Yes, uh, it's there. <laughs> we're still we're still into our uh, we're doing the new format here, and I I immediately forgot that we were doing it, and I remembered right there. And now, obviously, you've forgotten <laughs> that you need to respond. To- <laughs> I was waiting for you to to directly pass it over. I didn't know you were just going to stop talking. <laughs> we'll get be- we'll get better at this, but I guess that's a, that's a good enough place to stop as any. We're going to play the credits, and then we'll be back with Emperor's New Cloak. Accessing library computer data. Out there, there are no saints. Just people. All right, everybody. So The Emperor's New Cloak is the 12th episode of the seventh season, aired on February 3rd, 1999, written by Iris Stephen Bear and Hans Beemler, who really should know better at this point, directed by LeVar Burton. In this episode, when Grand Nega Zek is kidnapped by the Klingon-Cardassian Alliance while on a business trip into the Mirror Universe, Quark and Rom follow him there. We're joined by Clay, obviously. Well, Clay, they took they took two horrible things, they combined them, and they came out with, with an episode uh, yes. that is the final Mirror Universe episode. I think it's also the final Ferengi episode, like Ferengi-focused one. So here we are. What do you want to say about the new cloak? Well, it's the final jaunt into the Mirror Universe, so obviously they really put their minds into this one and wanted to make their final statement on what the mirror universe no it's none of those things it's just it's just uh it's it's 40 minutes is it is is this better or worse than prodigal daughter um i would say it's better because there's actual identifiable action and some semblance of stakes even though i'm not really sure what they are Mm. aside from uh getting the grand nagus back um, <laughs> and there's characters, there's characters you recognize in it, which is a plus. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's fine, I guess. This I one, it, it really, um, it really did feel like, you know, they, it, this one felt like they were just, everyone has to make their final mirror universe appearance almost in like they introduced mm-hmm. Vic Fontaine as a mirror universe yeah, person. What but the hell was that? He's in there for about seven seconds. That doesn't make, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> That's also his action sequence is maybe the worst action sequence I've ever seen outside of like student film one oh one level action he, scenes. It's awful. I, I didn't believe him when he said he wasn't a hologram because his acting was basically like GoldenEye 64 level computer character. (laughs) And he also didn't try to avoid getting shot whatsoever. He just stands in the open and is like, all right, guys, here we go. Yeah, his he just held his arms out slightly crooked with with guns in them and like moved his whole body side to side like he was a computer. Yeah. Um, And yeah, and then just stood there while Julian shot him in the chest. You know, Uh, I I don't know why he would be a real person. I mean, I guess that the the thinking is mirror universe so in this universe vic fontaine is a real person and oh not. are we all holograms in the mirror universe is that what yeah i don't know it's i mean it seems like they were just having fun um but doesn't make a ton of sense it didn't work yes it did we're on terok nor it looks like deep space nine to me i suppose a cargo bay is a cargo bay no matter what universe you're in but this is an alternate universe shouldn't everything be different it's different enough Remember what Captain Sisko once told us. 
In this universe, we're both dead. That's so sad. I would have liked to meet myself. We better get moving. I've got a ship waiting for us in landing pad C. What's the rush? This is a rebel base and we're working for the Alliance. You know, it's the one thing I the one thing I do like about this one is that um I a lot of reviews were saying that they didn't like Rom talking about how the mirror universe doesn't make sense. I actually kind of like it. I Yeah, that like, was fine. It, it's the one thing that at least clues me into the fact that even the writers think that this universe sucks. I don't know why they continue to go back <laughs> to it, but they, they are also of the opinion it's just like, this is all just kind of nonsense and we're going to do what we're going to do. But I like Rom doing that kind of thing because I, I think we've even complained about or talked about on previous podcast episodes for the Mirror Universe it's not this the DS9 version of the Mirror Universe is not the TOS version of what the Mirror Universe was, where it's like right. very obviously everything is just the opposite on some sort of like ethical mirror level. The mm-hmm. DS9 one is just more like some people are kind of the same, some are different, some are also bad, but they're just a different bad, some are good and they're kind of the same good. So when when you when you don't have that structure as to what makes the mirror universe different, it's just an extended play dress up even more than playing than acting is playing dress up in the first place but it's like an extended version of playing dress up and the characters are all you know they they get to play these these characters that no one seems particularly interested in playing anymore when the, when the mirror universe first showed up it seemed like it was a fresh chance to do something new and now it seems like they're all tired of it because all the characters in the mirror universe are just lazy archetypes of what they are in like garrick is a good example garrick has a lot of nuance in the prime universe right in the mirror universe mm-hmm. he's just a toady bad guy he's just like right. he's just a bad guy apprentice like bad guy uh lieutenants basically and so you don't you, there's nothing even nuanced to explore in it it's just a swashbuckling adventure i guess sometimes the good people are bad sometimes the bad people are good and sometimes if you're brunt you just get sexier i guess yeah <laughs> although jeffrey Combs is a pretty good actor because he his his nice brunt feels like a totally different character than normal yeah. brunt. Yeah. If if he if I hadn't seen his name in the credits, I don't know if I would have realized that was him until like deep into the episode. Yeah. Because yeah. because he he looked different and he was playing it a lot different. He wasn't playing it, you know, with uh, uh, the dial set to set to Ferengi teeth. Yeah. Right. Um, he was playing it a little bit more subdued, which was interesting. Um, but yeah, it's uh. It was it was an interesting interesting choice to include him or the Ferengis at all. I guess I don't know. Yeah, I mean they 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 wanted to get the Ferengi out of the way. I I think that a good place is any to start with the Ferengi, and I think that maybe it ties into like why episodes like this are kind of obnoxious in the first place or at this point in the seventh season. They wanted to do a Ferengi episode, right? And they do this episode, which. I don't know where I want to start with this. I I feel that DS9 is different from TNG towards its later seasons in a very interesting way, which I think ties into how they decided to tell their stories, where Mm -hmm. I feel like DS9 wastes my time more than TNG does in some ways, where because the way that episodes of TNG are set up, you can say that it's a bad episode, but you never felt like, why did they do this episode, kind of? It's more of like... That episode didn't work at all on TNG. Yeah. yeah. DS9 feels like they, they're just wasting my time with episodes like this. And if you're going to say that this is going to be your final Ferengi episode, over the course of the seven seasons, 
Quark and Rom have developed a real arc to their relationship, where Rom was the underling at first. He kind mm-hmm. of breaks out from underneath the boot of Quark, and he joins Starfleet. And they split apart, but while they have this like tension of those two growing apart from each other, you still get the sense that they love each other and they like respect each other. And Quark always has those things where Rom, he always makes fun of Rom, but deep down you know that he like he respects his brother and is proud of him for what he's done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do you end it with this episode where none of that is anything to do with anything? You have you have no episodes left to talk about how you're going to close out this arc for these two, how these characters are going to end up uh, before the series ends, where they're going to stand. Why why do you do this episode for them? Why why not do something that's built off of what their relationship is, especially because the show has become serialized to that way that TNG wasn't? It's It's strange. It just feels like I end up with these episodes that really honestly just feel like a waste of time it's like why why is this happening other than to fill an hour and if you had the idea that you wanted to do a frangy thing why isn't it a better idea than this because it's hilarious wes they seem to iris Stephen bear has a pretty bad sense, sense of humor i think <laughs> would be my takeaway from it he has a very bizarre sense of humor if he thinks that this stuff is really the funniest stuff at all like there's a I'll throw it to you, but like even their timing, there's a joke in here that I didn't realize was, was a joke until after I was reading it, where, you know the scene where Worf punches his underling? Mm. That's played off of the scene earlier, where they're talking about Worf likes to like try out his new tech or something to kill people, but they don't go from the line of explaining that this is Worf's character to a sharp, hard cut of Worf just decking that guy, and then them dragging him yeah. off. That's oh, the I joke. I didn't even... They I just, didn't even catch that line. Yeah, they distract you because the scene goes on for another 30 seconds after they say that, and then it cuts into it. So it's like, you're not even telling you jokes effectively here. It's like, this is a really, this is really awful what you guys have chose to do with this. Yeah. Um, you know, I think what's, what's kind of interesting is we're kind of seeing the negative aspect of serializing your show, I think, in mm-hmm. this season a bit. Because uh, the 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 negative aspect is this feeling that episodes that aren't paying off uh, uh, serialized elements feel like a waste of time. Whereas in something like TNG, when it is episodic and it doesn't you know episode to episode follow a story, you you have the opportunity to drop in character stuff that does carry over. If that makes sense, so like. You could do an episode about Riker and Worf uh, being stuck inside a magic cube or yep. something and have a moment in there where they have a, a uh, an interaction or something that is um, building off something that happened in a previous episode, but it's not directly serialized, so it, so it feels like... It, it It's a little... It's a small moment, but it feels like character movement. Yeah. Whereas here... Since everything is so serialized and characters have moved so much that doing nothing feels like a huge waste of time. Right. Um, and it's, it is it is kind of fascinating. And I think I honestly think it's amplified by the fact that it's the seventh season and they're, you know, like you said, this is their last Ferengi episode. This is their last Mirror Universe episode. And they decide to just spend the time establishing mirror mirror universe as redax, mm-hmm. which I I don't know is it I is it do you if you're on the cast do you have to have one of these episodes so you can come to the like the group party afterwards or something I 
I it's why why do that? Why not do something a little bit more thoughtful? I don't know. Ezri's strange. We're in a um the next episode after this, not to spoil anything, is also very bad. Um but all three <laughs> all three of them all three of them interestingly focused largely on Dax, or Dax is a ma- major player in all of it. What's what's fascinating about that is it feels like they've they're reacting as though they have a new toy to play with like it's wharf in the fourth season yeah but unlike wharf in the fourth season it feels like they don't really have much to say and are kind of bored with it yeah yeah well no we were when the fourth season rolled around and wharf came along wharf is prominent in a lot of episodes of the fourth season mm. like they're they're clearly exploring like how does how do other characters interact with wharf now that he's a part of this dax is weird because Dax is still the same character on some level. Right. Like there's the right. her the traits that make Dax a Dax character are all still there. She's a little bit different in how she expresses those things, but the the trademark date uh, Dax characteristics are all still there. And it's just it's just too late. Like th- this character can't be so prominent because no one cares. She's eating up story time that the other characters need and more deserve than Dax does. Yeah, and. Even even the stuff that they establish in this episode as part of what the story is going to be, which is uh, uh, Quark and his, uh, again, all of a sudden being in love with Dax um, and, you know, being jealous of Bashir, who apparently is also is actively like getting with Dax to yep. some extent. Yep. Yep. Which is another problem I have. Um they don't even really pay that off in this episode other than just to be like, "Up, oh, nope, she's uh she's gay in in the mirror universe." Which, you know, whatever, that's fine. But it's it it doesn't it that's that there's no he doesn't learn anything about about uh Dax or his feelings for regular Dax by inter inter uh interacting with mirror Dax, which is honestly what you, it should be if you're using the mirror universe. That's you, it's very difficult, or I should say, it feels like a waste of time if you're not using the mirror universe for like a very specific uh, message episode. Yeah, because that's what they're for. It's a dark mirror into that that re- reflect something of the character who's looking into it. Yeah, a different perspective of the same problem that you have in both universes. Right. Right, and the best the best that he gets in this one is Brunt being like, no. No, I'm kind of into her too, but I don't think she's gonna go for you. Uh, she won't go for me. And honestly, I think she's, I think she's gay. Yeah, in a very um, what does Brunt say? She doesn't like guys like us. I think, which is, it's funny because they're obviously trying to hide the fact that she's a lesbian in that universe. Mm-hmm. So that's a very awkward way well, to express I mean, you don't have what to put that a is. label on it. I mean, gay lesbian maybe, but I mean, she's definitely into Kira. Sure. Well, but. Okay, well, so it's what, what kind of I guess what future. kind of guys is she into, Brunt? At that point, I don't know. <laughs> you have to explain. Not Ferengi, apparently. Yeah, well, you know, I'm just trying to. I'm just. I'm just saying, in the mirror universe, things are things are open. You yeah, know? things are a little bit looser. Open relationships are the main status uh, status effect. Whatever the status on. Facebook. I honestly, the one thing that I was ho- I was really hoping they were going to do just to lean into it. I, I bet they would, I guarantee you they would do this now. And I think it would be really, really fun as if in the scene with, uh, um, mirror O'Brien and mirror Bashir, when they're just kind of talking or whatever, if, if Bashir had like casually put 
put his hand around his, Miles's waist or something. <laughs> you know, just be like, oh, come on, you just 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 give it to us. Just in this one, yes, they are actually involved. With each one other. universe, one universe. This can happen. There's a there's a multitude of multiverses out there, and one of them has to have this be the relationship. Right? Let's be honest, it's most of them. Yep, yep. The prime universe is probably the. Uh, aberration it's, as far as that goes <laughs> the prime universe is the equivalent of brunt saying that she doesn't like guys like us it's like it's hidden but yeah. it's kind of lazily hidden right right there in front of you mm-hmm. yeah it's um that's my it's another um it's another episode that it reminds me a lot of prodigal daughter just in the setup of it feels extremely lazy, and I guess someone was saying on either the YouTube or Discord comments that the production from Prodigal Daughter impacted the next two episodes because of how mm-hmm. behind, behind the ball they were. Um, and I can kind of see that. Like, this has the same Prodigal Daughter script problem of it feels like scenes that are just tacked onto each other, like telephone style. and. Yeah. A lot of it seems like it's just there to service bringing back these characters and inserting them into the mirror universe so that everyone can get a chance to do things in the mirror universe. But the other thing that really, maybe this is just indifference to the mirror universe, I find tracking the politics of the mirror universe impossible. So everything yes. that people are talking about, I'm like, wait, who's who's on whose side? Which mm-hmm. is the alliance? Like, who's the regent? Whose side are the Klingons on in this? And so you, if they they have to avoid doing that to keep people because you're only going to do this once a season, you can't really have these complicated politics, but they, they feel like they're borderline too complicated even still. It's hard to tell who's angry with who and who's on whose side through this entire episode. Yeah. After they got captured by O'Brien and Bashir, the scene that they have, I was confused as to what was going on because O'Brien and Bashir very much felt like they were bad guys, mm-hmm. um, which was not the case because Dax or... She never says what her actual name is, but Esri was working for... Esri Tegan. Uh, it's Tegan? Yeah, her last name. Her, before she became a Dax, she was a Tegan. Oh, she, I I just assumed... Uh, I guess she doesn't have a, a symbiote at all in this one, I guess. No, no. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah, that scene... It, it, it seemed like they were doing a bit of a switcheroo where... Esri showed up at the beginning of the episode seeming like a bad guy, but then once they got there, she was actually a good guy, and the good guys were actually the bad guy. But that I think I think that's where the, the ROM stuff comes into play, because I, I think probably even as they were writing it, they were like, wait a minute, whose side is on what here, and who's the bad guy, and who, why, why are they doing this, and who are they fighting? This is very confusing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I like the Rom extend the my favorite writing bit is the uh, when Rom uh, is being served those tube grubs or whatever by Brunt, but he's confused about whether or not he can eat them because they're good in his universe. So are they poisoned here? But that would mean that Brunt would be also be bad if he was giving him poisoned uh, tube grubs or yeah. whatever. I, I like that kind of stuff, and almost if the I. I, I would just I I, I, I do want to say though I I feel like they really missed an opportunity not to bring that back and have Rom like explain that to the Nagus and the Nagus completely understand you based on that Wallace Shawn having that scene from the princess bride where he does the thing with the teacups. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. They should have had, had a two uh, poisoned uh, grub scene with him. How do you not do that? I know. Instead they just had the, um, the awkward prison cell, lazy hand job with Kira. And, oh, Jesus Christ. And Wallace Shawn. Talk about that. That's a that's a terrible scene as well. Is 
Kira, it seems like Mira Kira. That's tough to say. I've probably said that before. Uh, Mira Kira is essentially just reduced to a horny villain, I yeah, guess. Yeah, shaking, wave, waving her ass around. Uh, yeah, in front to of the camera. literally everybody. Yeah. yeah. And that's it's too bad. Yeah, I mean, but she doesn't have a purpose anymore, no. right? Like if they they're they're doing that thing of continuing the mirror universe's story, and she was taken out of power at the you know couple episodes into that arc, and now she's just kind of a prisoner for Worf or something like that. Yeah, it's it's just a um, it's tough, and I, I and I know that the it just really makes me question because the producers of this seem to like be really eager to go back to the mirror universe, reading all the behind the scenes stuff that they wanted to do mm-hmm. this with. And we embarrasses. We all felt the need with a small end to revisit the alternate universe one last time. Let's face it. It's such a wacky idea. And I don't care what anyone sells says, but mirror mirror was a silly wacky show Though we tried in many ways to play with a straight face in DS nine. As time went on, it just became tougher for us to not see that what it was, which is kind of a rather flaky alternative to what we've been doing. So who better to have there than Rom and Quark? Rom is trying to figure <laughs> so, it out, and I thought Rom stood for all the fans who want logic and want it to make sense and want it to be taken seriously, something that is inherently not that serious. So by in, by including the Ferengi into a mirror universe, that is their comment on the concept of the mirror universe by saying, look how stupid this is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Base. But I... <clears throat> That's interesting. I, I guess I disagree with his perspective that Mirror Mirror is a silly show of TOS because I feel that it's a pretty interesting TOS episode. Mm. They, I feel that they never approached the Mirror Universe with that sense of this is what this place is. They they approached it as more of like it's in you know it's where it's where Pirate Cisco swings around and you know Jennifer's still Noticeably- alive. Noticeably absent in this episode, Pirate Cisco. Oh, I, I guess that's more that's more interesting to talk about than anything else here. Do you? Um, I I would be really interested in seeing a minute by minute screen presence of TNG versus DS Nine for the characters. I feel hmm. I feel in DS Nine we haven't seen so many of the characters in such a long time. Like I don't. Do you, Do you feel the same way, or is that just me? Um, I know what you're saying. I think it's, I think it's uh, covered a bit by the fact that everybody is so fairly close. Uh, um, they're almost on equal footing as far as uh, importance to the show because it's such a strong ensemble. Right. It's not Beverly it's not Crusher like, mixed in there. Yeah. Somewhere. It's yeah. not. It's not Miami Vice where it's Crockett and Tubbs and then there's everybody else. So when one or two of those are gone, it, it there's a big hole. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, you can. You can. Put the sh- you could put the show on the shoulders of Worf or on the shoulders of Kira and Odo, and it still it still works. Um, but yeah, like Kira, speaking of Kira, she's been pretty much absent for the most of the season. Yeah, her her and Odo. Odo's shown up a little bit, but Kira's been fairly. You know, I don't know what they're doing with her. I think they just ran out of. St- I don't know. I think they wrote themselves into a corner with her and with her and Odo. Odo. Yeah, they don't feel like the need to do anything with them. Well, but Cisco. I- Cisco, yeah, Cisco has been kind of in and out. I think he, well, he's prominent in the first two episodes of the season. Yeah, but I, yeah. I, I think it goes even like there's more of a structural thing to it. There, like every episode of TNG has a conference room scene. I feel mm. like DS9 doesn't seem to do that. You don't get a lot of scenes of the the crew together working on a problem. They they tend to do it as a um 
They tend to do it nowadays more as it seems like it's them relaxing at Quarks after hours. Yeah. So they're not doing like official Star Trek business. They're just kind of talking mm-hmm. about personal stuff. But I, I really feel like I miss the crew conversations because there's such a good way to play all the characters off each other in one scene so that you get yeah. their difference of opinion across. And I just feel like, I feel like the DS9 crew and the family unit that is supposed to be the cast has really taken a back seat in the past couple seasons. Like, I just feel that everyone gets their own episode and the episode focuses on them. Everyone else is very secondary in that episode. And then they don't really have these big group things where they're all working together. And I, I kind of miss it. Yeah, it feels it feels to me like it's they have a little bit of senioritis, as we say, in the States in high school and college. When you get to your uh, your final year of high school and you're there. But you're, you're not graduate. really there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're 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 in the building, but you're spending most of your time eating French fries in the cafeteria. Did but I I suppose that's true. I I think I I felt it even in the sixth season, I think. Yeah. After they got through that arc that opened up everything. It's just I, 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 I really just want and we've talked about Odo and Kira being sort of off the beaten path because they, they the writers stuck them in that corner where they weren't really sure what to do with them, and I feel you lose people there. It's just um, like I'm coming away with bizarre realizations like Bashir might be a very highly ranked character on this cast. Like mm-hmm. he, he might be one of the more interesting characters across the entire seven seasons because he's he's been in the same position and he's always semi-prominent and he's actually gone through character changes in a good way, I think. Like he's a, yeah. a very different character than he started off as. And some of the other characters, I just feel like you just don't see a lot. Like, you don't see a lot of O'Brien. Odo and Kira have kind of fallen off. Ezri Dax is now kind of useless as a secondary character. Jake Sisko isn't really around. You know, who else, who else am yeah. I left with? It doesn't feel like there's a, a second-tier, strong second-tier character that I can stand behind. Yeah, even Worf has been Backgrounded. Large, largely yeah. absent in this season. Um, yeah. And it's, it, is, it is weird because it feels like they're spending so much time with Ezri trying to get her to work but the the time isn't there to do it right and the heart doesn't seem to really be in it either mm-hmm. um jumping back to prodigal daughter for a second uh, for an episode that caused so much uh, uh so many ripples in production i'm shocked that they made an episode that was entirely on new sets using uh new people and new costume that that seems like if you need a quick episode to do that's when you do your your uh mirror episode where it's like we can just use we're we're just be it will be on ds9 but it'll be a uh the lights will be off or whatever yeah or you can do what they did in resurrection which is a mirror universe character comes to ds9 yeah something like that I'm, i'm i'm surprised that they went and did this fairly probably laborious production as far as prep work that they had to do even though the actual content isn't really that flashy um instead of t- trying to tell a story with her that took place on ds9 or so you know what i mean yeah, like it just yeah. it, it's you, you could have had the family go to her i guess you know what yes. i mean <laughs> yep yeah thanksgiving at my house this year guys yeah so we're all gonna come here uh you know the end of the cold open is esri your mother's here my mother <laughs> you mean my mother from last episode yeah Yes, <laughs> just two um, Mother Dax episodes in a row. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, it's uh, uh, I'm surprised. Uh, 
it's it's interesting that they're spending so much time on her like trying to really justify her being there when it doesn't work yeah i don't i don't hate her i think she's fine i just don't i just i can feel them forcibly trying to make this work and it's just eating up time is what it's doing yeah and it's just compounded by it being the final season you're just yeah, they, you know they should have they should have uh they should have gone a step further and and really thrown it for a loop and actually uh in this episode killed off Esri Dax and replaced her with Mirror Universe Esri. Mm, yeah, punk rock Esri Dax. Yes. <clears throat> so, actually, good uh good thing to mention our uh general um problem with the way Discovery uses the Mirror Universe is that you never get the mirror you, you you never see what's being mirrored generally. Right. It's just, oh, uh, he's mirror Lorca. Well, we've never met original Lorca, so we don't know what the difference is there. Or they don't get to meet each other. That's usually a big te- a big element of this is when, you know, you see the, the, the re- dark reflection of yourself, et cetera. Yeah. Mirror George Ao, a- you only saw George Ao for the first two episodes, so you don't really have a sense of what her mirror universe right. counterpart is supposed to be. If, if you're going to do a mirror episode with Esri... Why don't you have her meet Esri Dax? Because Dax has this is is constantly struggling with uh, having all of these other personalities inside her and what whatnot and X Y and Z. So putting her together with pre-joined, you know, quote unquote, yeah, pre-joined quote unquote evil Esri. I don't even know if you you can't really call her evil. No, I, um, I would say don't even draw her as evil. Just draw her as her previous pre-joined personality. In them because th- we've established here that no one's personality is a mirror of themselves. So you can just right. her mirror would just be you see what she was previous to this, and you see how the joining has changed her as a person. Yeah, and her and her upbringing is probably probably different. Where uh, instead of instead of her mother just being casually uh, questionable of the whole symbiote process, they actually you know left and and went somewhere else because they were so against it or something so yeah. she never she doesn't have any idea about what the trills actually do you know that kind of thing um i mean i guess maybe that's more expensive because you got to do special effects and stuff but it, it and you know probably takes more time to do mm. but uh it if i was gonna if i was gonna use esri in a mirror episode that's probably how i would do it yeah yeah not a good episode bad one you could Let's... still have quark there you can like, what, you know that you could still do that same stuff. Uh, well, it's interesting here. They have because um, Prodigal was interesting because it was an Esri story that for some reason required Miles O'Brien to be there as well at the same time. Mm. This is an Esri episode where Rom and Quark are there for some reason at the same yeah. time. So it's it's characters who are sort of stepping on each other's stories, and neither one comes out good because I don't give a fuck about the Ferengi rescuing Zach. Like that's not interesting, and O'Brien. I think Prodigal Daughter could have gone either way. You could either have made that an Esri episode or a Miles O'Brien Solves a Crime mystery. And I think yeah. either of those would have been better than better than what they ended up with. I think this is a lesser version of the same problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, does, it does feel like they are trying to focus on Esri by not focusing on Esri. Mm. It's yeah. weird. I, it's... Yeah, I just think it's it's making her stand out as a as as a character that they clearly don't know what to do with. Yeah, but they're really trying to figure it out, and they just don't have time to do it. I mean, twenty six episodes is a lot of episodes, but it's your final season. You've got a friggin' intergalactic war going on. Yeah, you have um, so many guest characters who have come on yeah. to do things. Yeah, 
you've you've got so many storylines in your main cast that you could be exploring and paying off and i mean i guess i was gonna say i guess quark being in love with with dax is one of those but they don't even do it like i said they don't do anything with that in this it's just nothing changes for him really at the end i guess yeah i don't know maybe you maybe you could argue that it does i'm not sure no i i think i would argue because his his mentioning of his love for dax at the opening feels out of place in the episode because it's it's tacked on it's tacked on to the Nagus storyline mm-hmm. unnecessarily. Quark isn't going there for Ezri. He's going there to save the Nagus. So bringing it up is just a strange callback that's really... It's a callback that only seems to serve explaining what Dax's current position is with the cast members, like where she stands with everybody else. And I don't think it's necessary because I don't think she's a, a character that they really should have done that with in the first place. Yeah. Let's and, a, go ahead. There's also, there's also the weird element of... Um, Oh, if you in this episode, if you don't love Ferengi, you are you're uh, you must be gay. It, it's it's a, it's a strange like I I uh, I give this is going to sound bad, but I I give the uh, casual sexism of the Ferengi a bit of a pass because that's just the species that they are. Yeah, uh, obviously that's not supposed to be a good thing, but that's just how they how, how they, they need to be written. Yeah, or how they're yeah. supposed to be written. But there are there are times where those kinds of things bleed into the writing like you can feel the the author doing stuff like that that's when it gets kind of iffy so at the end when uh lita shows up and lita is also gay uh and and enormously top heavy in this yes yeah they apparently have extra extra push-up bras yeah (laughs) but like that was that was that was that felt more like a uh a writer a writerly questionable joke um than uh uh than just a ferengi sexism thing it was it was kind of weird i could have done without that yeah i mean it's the um the fact that everyone is gay or <laughs> bi curious as butter says in the um in the mirror universe is just a it's a i don't know is it is, is it just a 90s thing of them trying to push the like the dial a little bit i don't really understand what it was as well, it, it started in crossover, which was the first one, which is Kira falls in love with herself, kind of. And uh, oh, right. Nana I forgot Vis- about that. Nana Visitor thought it was the most interesting about that was it was supposed to show the intendant is really just kind of a narcissist who loves herself more than anyone sure. else. And she didn't interpret it as she's a lesbian, more as just like, I can't believe how great I am and I'm going to get with myself. Um, but they, they just kept pushing it in that direction to here it's the punchline of a joke sort of like yeah i would i don't even i don't think they're saying it's a joke but it feels like it is it's supposed to be the punchline of a joke because you're not going to explore quark falling in love with esri it doesn't really tell you anything about that because it's not real esri dax so it feels more like it's just been like the rug has been pulled out from under you and it's supposed to be funny or shocking or something it it just feels it just it feels really dated at this point i don't think that they're cruel about it but it's just like a weird it's it's a weird writer nerdy fantasy world thing or something. It's very strange that they continued that thread. Yeah, it's like Ezri herself being gay doesn't feel weird, but once Ezri's gay, Kira's gay, and Lita is gay, now it feels like <laughs> it feels like they're turning it into in the mirror universe. All the women are horny for each other. Right? And it's just no. That doesn't. That's. Yeah, it's not really. <laughs> that's, 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 that's not, that's not great. 
it's just the the pitch in the writer's room is just one writer who's just insisting that this must be like the mirror universe has to be about something it's about lesbianism i think that yeah is. there's one guy in there who's like what if in the mirror universe we get all the women together <laughs> and they just they just kiss it's just it's just on the final scripts that they're passing out it's just one guy's handwritten note in there just like scene <laughs> scene Kira and Lita are kissing it's like that's oh, part of the script they're in the they're in the writer's room when one guy's like and what if then quark looks up into the rearview mirror and he sees that all of their clothes have fallen off and they're kissing <laughs> you know because they've been in because they've been in prison for so long and they're like sir patrick get out of here get out of here it's time to move. You, you're on your you're on the movies now buddy get out of this uh, tv universe let's um take a break we'll play an audio clip we'll come back read some patron thoughts and give our final thoughts about the emperor's new cloak now i can't remember the last time i kept my word maybe now's a good time to start Forget it, Brent. No, not this time. That's all right. Let him talk, my dear. He obviously feels very passionately about this. And you know how responsive I am to passion. Go on. What do we gain from their death? Nothing. On the other hand, if we let them live, they may come in handy. I never thought of that. The regent will give them to you. All you have to do is ask. Maybe. But why waste a favor on those two little trolls? No, I'm afraid I don't much care for your suggestion. And as a matter of fact, I don't much like you either. No! If you guys enjoyed the content today, you can support the show at patreon.com slash thepenskyfile. A couple dollars a month gets you extra stuff, like extra podcasts, the ability to vote in our polls, determine what we talk about, all that good stuff. You can go to patreon.com slash the Penske file. It's the best way to support the show. And our Captain Tier supporters get a shout out at this point. Special thanks go to Andrew Cherlog, Ben Douglas, Captain Quark, Cardinal Doomsday, Christian Michaels, Christian Pouch, Darth Mosk, David Beardmore, David K, Dwayne Hackett, Eric Johnson, HH28, IC Unicorns, Yarpy, Joint Mango, Jordan Cooper, Kevin Reyes, Kyle Barrett, Matt Cutler, Matt Ross, Mike Burnett, Nathan Elliott, Neil Brennan, Nick Sergi, Robert Cummins, Russell Elledge, Samuel Custer, Grim Santo, Sean Spinobi, Tark Latif, Fault 13 Hero. I thought I could make it to the end there with one breath. And then Will Yates. Thank you very much, guys, for supporting the show. Much you got to start doing the Ace Ventura thing, where before you go into it, you're like... <laughs> <laughs> we we'll get, uh, yeah, we'll, I'll, I'll be like, um, uh, like the, uh, Sherpa training or something like my blood will just require lower oxygen yeah. than the normal man just because you I've been reading this. You got to start uh, running on a treadmill with a gas mask on. <laughs> Let's read some patron comments. If you're a patron of the show, you get to leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes when we read them. Poindexter G says the Emperor's new cloak. A funny. Uh, what do you think of this title, Clay? I actually like the title. Kind of. Um, I think it's, so, yeah, it's pretty fine. clever. I think it's pretty pretty good. I we didn't I talk at really all about the worried. cloaking device. That's why I bring it up. Yeah, I got really worried when I saw the title, and I thought that I was watching the wrong episode, because I assumed this had something to do with the Ferengi being naked, and mm-hmm. I thought it was the other episode we watched that had something to do with the Ferengi being naked, because I knew it was a Ferengi episode. Yeah, no no but Mama Ferengi's no. in this. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, it's, um, I don't think there's much to say about the cloaking device. The cloaking device is only interesting to me because they've shown the ships have had cloaking devices in previous Mirror Universe episodes. Um Mm. which cuts everything out of this that's a very nerdy uh thing to notice about it but uh the I, fact that they're making up that the cloaking devices don't exist in this universe kind of shows the laziness of the script because they have been there previously i i do think that they could have uh shot uh 
the I think the best thing about the cloaking device is that scene where they're carrying it out and yeah. then, and then uh, Cisco and Martok walk by. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel I think they could have shot that f- to make it funnier. I I think the the framing of it's really weird where it's not it's not played as 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 much for comedy as I think it could have been. I think it goes on too long. You can't do a scene like that that you can show them briefly carrying it, but if you extend that scene out, I think it just becomes not very good. Although I do like Cisco and Martok coming over and oh, everyone looking at the wall together. <laughs> it's, it's funny. Yeah, to me. like that. That was funny, but I feel like the framing of it was 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 weird. So it it, it I feel like it could have been visually funnier. Yeah, yeah. Um, Does this imply? It's fine. Wh- why? I I was kind of confused why they um, when they put the cloak down and they talk to Cisco and Martok right and then they leave. They're like, where did the cloaking device go? You can feel the cloak thing. Yeah, right. Because they trip yeah. on it. I think. Yeah, if you if you're carrying, so let's put it this way: carrying a piano, you know where you put it down. Yeah, if you if you're carrying a coffee table, and you put it down, and then you close your eyes, you're gonna find the coffee table pretty quickly. <laughs> Point extra G says it's about what you'd expect from crossing a Ferengi episode with a Mirror Universe episode. Do we even care about the Mirror Universe anymore? We see Mirror Ezri with her punk rock vibe, and Mirror Vic, the ramifications of which made my brain hurt. Were the Ferengi worse or were the mirror peeps worse? Is it a draw? Probably. At least we're done with the mirror universe and at least in DS9, at least in DS9 and good riddance. Can you then extrapolate out? Let's say seeing that Vic Fontaine, or at least Vic, I don't know if Fontaine is his real name. Oh, it's true, yeah. Uh, is a human person in the mirror universe. Can you extrapolate out that to mean that there once was a Vic Fontaine in the Prime Universe that Bashir knew and was friends with, and so when he created that that program, he modeled it after his friend who was dead mm. to uh, make him live on as a as a program. That would have been nice. That would have been something to interestingly throw into this episode, I suppose. Yeah, I guess you'd have to assume that if um. If the mirroring works like that, this Vic is based on some Vic that actually did exist in the Prime Universe that Bashir. That would be a good. That would be a good it. episode if you had an episode, a Vic Fontaine episode, where, it, you know, it, it it turns out that the reason Bashir loves the program so much is because this guy in real life was a good friend of his yeah. or something. And, yeah, and, he, and yeah, yeah. yeah. Have it, they have they ever done that? Have they ever used the the holodeck to bring someone basically? Back? immortalize someone like that and not just use it for weird sex stuff like Jordy does? Um, <laughs> no, I guess Tasha would be the only thing. They use it for eulogies, I guess. That's the... Um, yeah, but I'm talking like, you know, you know I, I think one of the strangest things in the modern world is uh, how your social media account uh, ostensibly becomes like an altar for people after you die a lot of times mm-hmm. like people who die their facebook accounts are like uh archived essentially and yeah. so they're they just become these they're still there you know like it's, and then it's a really facebook pops up the anniversary auto posts every year yeah. to like remind you of this horrible stuff yeah yeah it's really it's really kind of strange and i mean i'm sure for some people it's 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 nice but i've always found it to be very strange uh and i it, I I feel like the holodeck could potentially be a, an extension of that, where you know, if someone if someone close to you has died, well, just make a holodeck program with them, yeah. and then they can be there forever, and you can say hi forever, and they are locked into an eternity of, uh, you know, what uh, 
talking to you. Yeah. No, I could could easily see that. Especially in like the TNG episode, The Bonding, where the kid's parents die on an away mission. I don't think he ever sets up a holodeck program, although that would completely make sense if the kid did that, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, Captain Quirk says, I skipped most of the Mirror Universe episodes, but I don't think experiencing them would have made this episode any more compelling. I couldn't be less interested in anything that was going on, which caused my mind to wander and start to nitpick the details. So in the vast galaxy full of trillions, we just keep running into alternate versions of people we already know whether whenever we go into this parallel universe. What was alternate Garrick think, trying, uh, thinking, trying to give a lethal injection by himself to four unrestrained prisoners? I was also <laughs> thinking he was very cavalier with that hypodermic needle that he was just waving around. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, why does the cloaking like, just device... takes takes the takes the safety thing off of it and just holds it tightly to his chest while he's talking? <laughs> I hope I hope I don't trip and fall on my way crossing this distance between us to kill you. Yeah, they need that little uh, box that you put the needles in at the doctor. It's like the safe box that you can't put your hand into to grab the needles. And I don't think they saw that on the walls. You know, there's uh, I don't know what this says about about um, the clientele of this place or possibly they just know their clientele very well. Um, I guess not the clientele, but I guess they're aware of of the services that they provide. There's a donut place that I know of uh, a couple states away that has um dedication Those, to know that many to know <laughs> to know a donut shop oh i've got so, lists i've got cura- <laughs> uh, collated curated lists of donut places across the you're gonna say a couple streets away from me but it's, it's a, we've got three states over i've got this yeah. great donut shop um but they have uh uh um diabetes ne- needle uh disposal things in their bathrooms oh really nice yeah so i'm like well okay i mean i guess i guess they 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 understand what they're doing with the amount of sugar that they're giving people, so they just want to have have a have a place for to take care of that stuff, I guess. But yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's um, <laughs> I guess depending on the states, it could easily also serve as a uh, some other sort of injection. Uh, oh yeah, I know it might you know might do that too. I'm not sure. Next comment comes from Will Yates, the emperor. Don't get me wrong, though the donuts are fantastic. I'm sure they are. I'm sure they, they obviously have repeat uh, repeat customer <laughs> repeat visits for these donuts. Yeah, what state is it in actually? Uh, Maine. Okay. Yeah. So, Emperor's new cloak from Will Yates. Vic Fontaine is finally a real boy. Okay. The intendant was once again able to scheme and seduce her way to a position of power. This time from a jail cell through a situation she didn't know was coming. Sure. The leader of the Ferengi traveled to another dimension known for violence and treachery to open trade negotiations and ends up in the same cell as the intendant getting a handjob on a ship 20 times bigger than the Defiant. Why not? A backdoor pilot for the new Cinemax series Lita and Ezri, Scissor Sisters. Bring it on. Two-word review. Shit sandwich. Can't disagree with any of that. Matt Ross says, why? At this point, the culmination of two worst story pieces, Ferengi comedy and the tiring mirror universe, whom seems to have a frequent flyer pass to come over. The best moment, if I can call it that, is Roman Quark carrying the cloaking device. Odd the mirrors didn't have that one piece of tech. Uh, odd the mirror universe didn't have that one piece of tech. Ezri and Black mean she's evil. Vic is real. Why exactly? Rom says, no wonder they call it the alternate universe. Shut up. I still don't see how the human rebels can hold a space station orbiting a planet run by the Alliance. Evil Bashir looks like he needs a shower. Slutty Kira, this time is gross. Stop the ear sex, please. Combs can't save it either. Rom's sudden self-aware realization of how the alternate universe does not work pretty much says it all about the writing. 
I think Snidely Whiplash could run a better op than these idiots. I don't know who Snidely Whiplash is. A good drinking game. very old cartoon reference. Okay. (laughs) A good drinking game here would be to have a shot every time someone says alternate universe. At least it's the last of these kinds of episodes. I thought I was uh, I thought I was throwing the dart off the board when I said Ace Ventura at this point, but Snidely Whiplash, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Zamuclu Wessel says, It feels like this was made under protest, with Rom being the voice of why they don't want to do these anymore. And with Vic there, the only conclusion seems to be that the mirror universe is some kind of literal dream world, where Vic is real because they think of him as real, like how Minuet showed up in Riker's false future. So after all these episodes, the only conclusion is that none of this mattered a sad conclusion to reach what is what is great about though is that uh o'brien seems to be the same yes except he's he's just has a different name and he's still constantly miserable his his vest game is vastly improved in the mirror universe he he wears tremendous vests i think that he doesn't wear in the prime universe but outside that he's still smiley o'brien yeah yeah but he just looks he looks miserable so in in all in both in family life is great though just Family life is like the best family ever in the Mirror Universe. Him, Keiko, and Molly are just always together, always enjoying each other's company. It's perfect. Well, it might be it might be that he's got seven kids and he's even more miserable <laughs> than he was before. <laughs> Dwayne Hackett says, Emperor's New Cloak, what the? What should have been an inter- interesting, satirical, ugh, excuse me, interesting satirical story wrapped up in the Mirror Universe is instead this. This is what you get when the writers are inconsistent, bored, and out of ideas and money. The story's lackluster, the graphics were reused, and oh yes, they already have cloaking tech. All in all, a giant waste of time, which would have been made all the more entertaining if the writers were just a bit more consistent. If you'll excuse me, I have to be debriefed. Two out of five. Russell Elwood says, I'll admit it, I actually enjoy the Mirror Universe episodes, not saying they're good, but I do find them for a bit of a guilty pleasure. It's just fun seeing the actors hamming it up, especially Worf and Kira. I watch these for what they are, just fun, but try not to think too hard. I'm trying to imagine the writer's room discussion where they decided to bring Vic Fontaine into this, but he's a holo- ah, screw it, it's the last season. Again, not saying this is a good episode per se, but I do enjoy it every once in a while. Oh yeah, there was no thought put into that at all. It was just, it would be fun to have Vic there as a human. Right, it's the, it's the final season argument. Everyone needs to make an appearance in the mirror universe. If you haven't yeah. yet, get yeah. your, get your swimmies on. We're going in. Mm-hmm. Kyle Barrett and, says, you know, I, I really, I really want to like the mirror universe, but they just, they're just so, you know, bleh. you, you, know? you, you uh, mean the writers are so eh about it? Yeah. Well, it's just the, the, ep, the, I, I really, I love the concept and I really want to like the episodes but I don't think, and it is fun to watch them hamming it up and stuff. But I don't think the stories are are worth it. They no. don't really rise to the uh, the level of the actors who are who are playing it. Yeah, that's been the um, because the reason it worked in crossover, right, is because it took Kira and it put her in the position of Ducat, where she was like the hardline fascist ruler of this station, basically. Mm-hmm. And so you have a little bit of like an interesting flip there about what would happen if like things had been different. But all the Mirror Universe stories after that lack any central. Well, I, I guess the the one the only one that sticks out to me is when Jennifer O'Brien came back. So Cisco can kind of have a world where he is again with his wife. However, yeah, as we talked about in that episode, they don't really dive into that. They don't explore like would Cisco want to stay with her? Like, is it worth giving up right. everything that he's had to go and stay in this universe with her? And I think that's all it's good for. 
And none of the stories after that deal with any of that stuff. It doesn't take any choice to make a character's current position be enticing or some other viewpoints into something else that could have been. It's it's all a waste of time. And knowing the mirror universe, she was probably gay anyway. So Yeah, that's true. They didn't I don't think they touched on that. They didn't do any touching at all. Kyle Barrett says Emperor's New Cloak, an underrated masterpiece. What an incredible and genius idea to combine a Mirror Universe episode and a Ferengi episode into one wonderful installment. A total classic and probably the best episode of the season. P.S. My Mirror Universe counterpart wrote this comment. Emperor's New Cloak, Joint Mango, final comment. A great episode for background noise while doing work. (laughs) Yarpy says, actually, there's one more here. Yarpy says, this combines two types of episodes that I hate, the Ferengi and the Mirror Universe, one of the worst episodes of DS9. Just ugh, ugh, unfunny and dumb. Thank you very much, patrons, for leaving your thoughts, whether or not it was you or your Mirror Universe counterpart, too. If you're a Mirror Universe counterpart, they probably steal money from us instead of giving to our Patreon, so I don't like yeah, them at all. Yeah, they probably pirate it. Yes, Pirate exactly. our show somehow. That's... <laughs> Can you do that? Can you pi- I guess you could if it's a pay-only podcast, but Yeah, no, if it was pay-only. No, they just um they're the people who just download it and uh and and don't support us on Patreon, I guess. Mirror whatsoever. Mirror Kyle <laughs> listens to this podcast by uh using the password for regular Kyle's account. <laughs> That's right. He's been hacked. He's getting those alerts on his phone saying your Google account has been compromised. Do you do you get the ones from your credit card uh company where it gives you the update on whether or not there's been any attempt to steal your identity i do but i I, I never think they're real i always think they're scams well i i get updates from my credit card that that will say no uh no no uh no attempt on any of your data this month Yeah. yeah yeah no suspicious activity but i'm every time i see them it's like that part of it is after the click so you get, I get an, it, it shows up as a email from my credit card company and it says suspicious activity detected or yeah. something. It's something where you look at it and you go, oh shit. And you yeah. get to click on it and say, nope, just, it's actually fine. You're good. Thanks for clicking. Yeah. Thanks for clicking and, uh, you know, giving <laughs> us more data. <laughs> Thank you very much, patrons, for leaving your thoughts about this episode, the final Mirror Universe, the final Ferengi. I think it's the final Ferengi. I might be talking out of my ass and been wrong about that, but I believe this is it for them. I think Bear said that, so I'm going to go with it. Thank you very much for supporting the show. We're almost at the goal of 100 patrons, Clay, which is where I wanted, which was my year goal at the start of the year. So we've got a little bit of time left to get there, but thank you very much, everybody, for being so generous. And there's so many of you that are uh, choosing are we- to be very, very generous and very kind. Are we doing something special if we hit 100? No, I just accomplished my goal for the. It was like one of my three goals for the podcast. I've forgotten what the other two were, but that was the one that uh, I remember. But maybe we will do something special if it gets to a hundred. We'll have a um. Uh, oh, fuck it. I can't come up with anything right off the top of my head. That's like me trying to write a mirror universe. This this uh, writing staff well, trying got, to write a mirror I've universe. I've got uh, I've got a couple issues of that Star Trek comic I did. If you want to do a uh, oh giveaway pa- or something, patron patron giveaway or something like that. Sure, sure. Like a raffle. Okay. Everyone join up, and we'll see. We can have a giveaway. Maybe we'll do something like that, but we'll we'll figure something out. But thank you very much. In all seriousness, it is great to be at 100 patrons. It means a lot. It's a substantial amount of the total listeners, which it's well above the average for what people tell you that you get uh, for patron support. So that's much appreciated. Very kind. Excellent. All right, Clay. Let's uh, talk about our final ratings for this one, the final Mirror Universe episode. What are you going to give it on our scale of one to five? Uh, two. Hmm. Interesting. You thought it was good enough to bump it over the one. The ones are, ones remain for prodigal daughter type uh, quality. 
yeah, I think it was better than that. Um, I think it's you can still have fun with it if you want to. Uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's not the worst thing I've ever watched, but it's not great. Yeah, yeah, I think it's um, I think it's a two just because it did make me laugh once or twice. I think yeah. while it was happening, and it's like eh, whatever this is, it wasn't um, wasn't as completely of a cluster f as Prodigal Daughter. I don't think, but it's also just you know. In some ways, I could almost argue that it felt more like a waste of time, and maybe I should hold it against that in a way that Prodigal Daughter was just a waste of time technical on a technical level. I mm-hmm. don't know. I really don't like the Mirror Universe episodes, though, but I, I will give it a two, um, and we'll see where it, it stands at the end of the season, I guess, when I give my final thoughts about the Mirror Universe and everything like that. You know what they uh, should have done? Because if you have them there, why not have a little fun if you're having fun in the Mirror Universe? In that scene where they shoot Vic and Bashir comes in and he's got like two guys behind him or whatever they should have had one of those guys be Jordy mirror Jordy and just have not have him say anything don't even acknowledge that he's there but just have one of those guys be LeVar Burton he directed he was there yeah that's what I mean he's on set you may as well yeah (laughs) do you ever um what's funny about the director shots like on memory alpha they show shots of LeVar Burton directing uh stuff here Mm -hmm. it's so like it must be a style of the time thing, but they're, the director is standing in their normal clothes, right? Like juxtaposed against people wearing like Starfleet uniforms. Mm-hmm. However, there must have been a law or something in 1990s directors where they had to wear just the most ridiculous street clothing to, to do their <laughs> jobs because everyone, everyone looks like they might as well have Dayglow fanny packs on in every single shot. They look like tourists, and I don't understand what it is. Maybe it's just... Um, the need for pockets or something as your director but i have no idea they always look very goofy does he have headphones like just wrapped draped around, around. His neck? yeah draped around yeah. his neck yeah and he's pointing and things like that it's just yeah it's it's impossible to have a photo of a director that doesn't look like it's staged to look like a photo of a director right yeah <laughs> well the real director is uh directing the shot the the shot of exactly. taking the, the picture of the director who directs who directs the directors that's right? right it's like a russian nesting doll of creativity i suppose mm. all right we're done i'm going to give it a two clay's going to give it a two and that's it for the mirror universe we're done with thank you very much guys for listening you can follow all the social media twitter facebook discord all that stuff you can join patreon.com slash the penske file if you want to support the show it's the best way to do it you can get t-shirts on t public there's a t public link down below you can check out all our other shows that we do real ripe and real rotten there's badass there is what the hell i think those are the main ones that have been churning out stuff at this point you can check out real ripe it's our film podcast you can check out badass it's about batman the animated series all that stuff is at the penskefile.com or on the youtube we channel. uh we just finished the second season of badass mm-hmm. and we're going to be doing a q a episode so if you have any questions that for me or sean about batman or life i don't know uh you can shoot them over to uh, Batass Podcast, B A T T A S S Podcast at Gmail or on Twitter at Batass Podcast, hashtag Batass, B A T T A S S. Everyone just send a question about why the Mirror Universe doesn't exist in Batman the Animated Series, and it'll be a, a rousing discussion about that. No, but you guys are done with this. Actually, technically, season. it does. There has been episodes where there have been alternate realities. I mean, it's all. You know, ends up being the the work of like the Scarecrow or Mad Hatter or yes. something, but they they do exist. It's drug induced, basically. Yes, yeah. it's drug induced. <laughs> Thank you guys very much for listening. I don't think we have anything else to say. Do you have anything else you want to say? Uh, I don't think so. 
No, I think we're done. All right, so we're done with the Emperor's New Cloak. Fields of Fire is the next episode, another Esri Dax episode, and we're going to get to that in a couple of days. Ooh, they're moving from Queensryche album titles into Sting album titles. Yeah, yeah. Fields of of Burning Fire, I guess. (laughs) Fields of Gold. I like that album. It's good. It's good 40-year-old listening music to listen to that yeah. album, to put it on at Christmas or something and just have the family yeah, enjoy it. Yeah, you know, that's the kind of shit that you make fun of for a long, long time, and then one day you put it on and you're like, yeah, is, I get is it. it. Is a banging album. Yeah. <laughs> Six out of the eight songs are just instant classics. Like, I'm, I'm not going to lie and, and say that I haven't, in the past couple of years been saying to people like you know who actually is fucking awesome is michael bolton have you actually listened to that guy (laughs) sing and then people just slowly walk away and i'm like no you don't understand that guy is a musical genius yep talented great comedian too did uh did all that all the good stuff you know he you know how you can tell he's a he's a great singer is that as he's gotten older he can still sing his older songs And he's managed to change them enough so it doesn't sound like he's losing his voice, even right. though he's got less range than he used to. Yeah, he can modulate like, his performance a little bit to save himself. Yeah. If you if you listen to him do uh, uh, How Am I Supposed to Live Without You or something now, it's the key is a little bit different, and it, he doesn't he's not pushing it as hard, but it doesn't feel that way because his voice is so good. Yeah. Um, so you can learn more about that on our Michael Bolton podcast <laughs> that I'll be starting next month. <laughs> He learned it from uh, Fred Durst of Limp Bizkit, I'm told. Is, is, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Personal mentor. Guys, thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>